mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable, O Lord, in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. God desires hospitable hearts. I come to you today both disturbed and convinced that hospitality has been dying in our culture. And with the loss of hospitality, we risk becoming less human, by which I mean we are failing to reflect the image of God and his hospitable heart. So today, I will try to help us understand what hospitality is and what we need to do about it. Hospitality, what is it? What does it mean? At its root, hospitality means being kind and cordial to strangers or guests. But is that what you think of when you look at our society today? Is our society cordial to strangers and guests? And are our religious societies as a whole kind and cordial to strangers and guests? I don't think so. And as we will see, our God is neither honored nor pleased by the death of hospitality in our day, especially among the people of God. I looked up some articles uh, in, the, in, in the evangelical magazine Christianity Today to see what they had to say about hospitality. One writer said this, quote, I have recently visited dozens of evangelical churches, and few have shown hospitality beyond a simple greeting of hello. At one large evangelical church, I sat directly behind the pastor and his family, who ignored others when it came time to greet those around us, and instead gossiped loudly to each other about a church member's new hairstyle. At another major church, a female greeter at the door merely handed me a bulletin, but recognized me as a co-worker of her daughter's, and later asked her daughter why I would want to visit their church. I saw a newspaper ad for a newly formed mission church that invited the people, the public, to a study of the book Experiencing God. When I showed up for the study, the pastor and eight members didn't know what to do with a newcomer. When I left at the end, no one had even asked my name or how to contact me for follow-up. I thought I had found an exception when I took my family to see the traveling Continental Singers at a local church, where we were finally approached after the concert by one elderly man. He asked, me if I was with the Continentals. When I told him I was not, he just smiled and walked away. As we left the building, my nine-year-old asked me why the man ignored us and why no one else talked to us. At first, I attributed this lack of hospitality to the megachurch movement, where there are so many in the fellowship that you don't know who's a member and who's a newcomer. 
But this was happening in small churches as well, where people should be going out of their way to attract new members. Congregations are merely mirroring the change in society's attitude towards strangers. Media portrayals of violence have made us hesitant to befriend new neighbors or to help a stranded motorist. End quote. This is all true. It is also true that not all churches or synagogues are like this. Still, these illustrations I shared with you are not rare. A relative of mine visited five or six weeks in a famous and large church in New York City. He even went to their coffee hour after the service each week. And nobody even engaged him in conversation or welcomed him. Both Testaments provide examples of hospitality and inhospitality, lots of them, and admonitions about hospitality and inhospitality. So let's look at some of the examples of hospitality found in Tanakh. Let's look in today's parasha. In the story of Avraham and the three guests, we find Avraham sitting at the entrance of his tent when he notices three strangers. He notices them. He doesn't ignore them. He runs from the tent door to meet them and prostrates himself on the ground. He, he is showing great respect for these strangers. Strangers! In the previous chapter, Avraham has circumcised himself and his son Ishmael. Our tradition reminds us that he is recovering from the wounds, and yet he runs. He prostrates himself in deep welcome and respect. He then begs them to come and have something to eat, to sit in the shade of one of his trees and wash their feet, a normal ritual of welcome in that culture. A ritual of welcome. Avraham is not xenophobic. He does not fear these strangers. He is philozenic. That is, he loves strangers. He is showing hospitable love to strangers. While he had offered them some bread to eat, he actually goes beyond that. He prepares a feast. He runs to Sarah and urges her to quickly make some cakes, some bread, which turns out to be matzah because it's short order. And then he takes a good tender calf and gives it to a ser servant to prepare it. Then he takes curds, milk, and the calf and places it before his guests, standing beside them while they eat, as if he is their servant. The letter to the Hebrews comments on this in chapter 13, where we read, let brotherly friendship continue. Notice that, let brotherly friendship continue. That is love for the insider. But don't forget to be friendly to outsiders. For in so doing, some people, without knowing it, have entertained angels. Avraham did not know that these were angels, nor that God was visiting him that day. 
at least not at first. He just knew they were strangers. And when this translation speaks of being friendly to outsiders, it uses the Greek word for uh, hospitality, which is philozenia, uh, uh, love of the stranger. That's what hospitality is. It is love of the stranger or the outsider. We are supposed to do this. In a Haftorah, oh, sorry, just a minute. In a Haftorah reading, uh, we have another example of this with the woman of Shunem and Elisha the prophet. It's a great story about hospitality. We read, one day Elisha visited Shunem and a well-to-do woman living there pressed him to stay and eat a meal. After this, whenever he came through, he stopped there for a meal. And she said to her husband, I can see that this is a holy man of God who keeps stopping at our place. Please, let's build him a little room on the roof. On the roof. We'll put a bed and a table uh, in it for him and a stool and a candlestick. Then whenever he comes to visit us, he can stay there. Such hospitality. Elisha notices this, of course, and he reciprocates with courtesy the broader category of which hospitality is part. He says this, look at what the text says. One day Elisha came to visit there. He went to the upper room to lie down. He said to Gehazi, a servant, call this Shunamit. He called her. When she arrived, he said uh, to Gehazi, tell her this, you have shown us so much hospitality. What can I do to show my appreciation?" End quote. We need to see more of this kind of hospitality, gratitude, and reciprocity in our day. These are classy people, but am I? Are you? Is this the norm of our culture? Getting back to Avraham. Let's look at Avraham. We read about his three guests going down to Sodom to find out if the reports God has heard of her wickedness are altogether true. Sodom was notorious. But why? We read this passage where we read of Lot's hospitality in contrast to the standards of Sodom. The two angels came to Sodom that evening when Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom, Lot saw them, got up to greet them, and prostrated himself to the ground. Sound familiar? He said, Here now, my lords, please come to your servant's house. Spend the night. Wash your feet. Get up early and go on your journey. No, they answered. We'll stay in the square. But he kept pressing them. So they went home with him. And he made them a meal, baking matzah for their supper, which they ate. Notice this Abrahamic hospitality. He is bearing the family image. But the text goes on. We read, but before they could go to bed, the men of the city surrounded the house, young and old, everyone from every neighborhood in Sodom. They called Lot and said to him, 
Where are the men who came to stay with you tonight? Bring them out to us. We want to have sex with them. In an, ex an excellent article called The Politics of Scripture, we read this, quote, In the biblical text, the hospitality of Abraham is immediately juxtaposed with the inhospitality of Sodom, accepting Lot. The residents of Sodom are marked by a shockingly, shockingly callous injustice. Where Abraham ran to the aid of three strangers, offering respite and a feast, the men of Sodom rushed these angelic messengers, strangers, with malice, violence, and gang rape. As the prophet Ezekiel would later proclaim, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and needy. It was inhospitality. We've learned to focus on, on their sexual behavior. But in this case, what we're looking at is gang rape. We're looking at violence. We're looking at the epitome of hostility to the stranger. It probably does not occur to most of us that the sin of Sodom was fundamentally hostility to the stranger. In ancient Near Eastern society, and to this day in that region, inhospitality was a grave offense and disgraceful. This is why Yeshua could tell the parable of the man who had to be awakened to provide bread for his neighbor to set before some surprise guests. It was unthinkable that these guests should not be fed. And so the man, awakened from sleep, complied. There are numerous stories in the Bible that illustrate the priority of, of hospitality, of welcoming the stranger. There's another one in Luke chapter 7, for example, where Shimon the Pharisee fails to show Yeshua proper hospitality, which the fallen woman with the alabaster flask of ointment does just perfectly. But having looked at these illustrations, let's conclude with some direct admonitions from Scripture. These will challenge us to be a holy counterculture in the midst of an inhospitable society. And in the midst of an inhospitable religious society, I regret to say that as I interact with many people in the Messianic movement on Facebook, I find grinding inhospitality. Let's see what the scripture says, the sheep and the goats. In one of his most gripping par parables, our Messiah says something our society and even many religious people ignore to our peril. Here's what he says. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, accompanied by the angels, by all the angels, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be assembled before him, and he will separate people, one from the other, as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. The sheep he will place at his right hand, and the goats at his left. We're all familiar with this. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you whom my father has blessed, take your inheritance, 
the kingdom prepared for you from the founding of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you made me your guest. I needed clothes, and you provided them. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the people who have done what God wants will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and make you our guest or needing clothes and provide them? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? The king will say to them, yes, I tell you that whenever you did these things for one of the least important of these brothers of mine, wow, one of the least important of these brothers of mine, you did them for me. Like Avraham and like the Shunammite woman, we are supposed to make the stranger our guest. Will that find favor on your favorite news channel? Let's go on. Hospitality is a specified leadership requirement. First, First Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, gives some of the requirements of an elder in the congregation. It says this, an elder then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. Titus chapter 1, verse 7 to 9, adds to the teaching of what should be evident in our lives and especially the life of a leader. Quote, for an elder must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but what? A lover of hospitality, end quote. But I guess, of all the passages passages we could find, and there are quite a few, I would return to the one in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Don't forget to be friendly to outsiders, or as many translations correctly say, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For in so doing, some people, without knowing it, have entertained angels. I am not suggesting that you must have strangers at your table every week, although that's not a bad idea. I'm not discussing giving a person a place to eat and sleep. Also not bad. Very good, in fact. What I'm suggesting is that we need to develop and protect hospitable hearts. We need to become people who reflect the kindness of God back to strangers, including the poor, the sick, the imprisoned, strangers who have nothing good to give us. Let me finish with a meme that got me upset this week. I want you to look at this. See if you can find out exactly why I found it upsetting. There it is calling an illegal alien an undocumented immigrant 
is like calling a drug dealer an unlicensed pharmacist. Let's pause for a moment. First of all, I do believe in border control. It's not that I'm opposed to it. That's not the issue. What did I find offensive about this when I engaged in a protracted conversation with the man who posted this, who I've known for about close to 50 years? Here's what it is. What is the general feeling about undocumented immigrants that you get there? What is the comparison he uses? He compares an undocumented immigrant to a drug dealer. I want you to know that's disgusting. Are there some drug dealers who come across the border? Sure. But anybody with brains and who has not been totally propagandized knows that the majority of people who come across the border are just coming to find a better life. They're women with children. Uh, uh, you've gone to restaurants where you've eaten food prepared for you by undocumented immigrants. I don't think they gave you drugs at the time. You've had your, your lawns mowed very, very possibly by undocumented immigrants. But to generalize about undocumented immigrants, people you don't even know, is this what the Bible is teaching us about the love of strangers, about hospitality? Is this a hospitable heart? Or is this a hostile heart? Nowadays, I am finding in, in the circles that, I, that I've traveled in for 50 years, I am finding that people are tending to be characterized by who they hate. If you hate the right people, you're an insider. I think this is more than disgusting. I think it's offensive to God. God wants us to develop a hospitable heart. Let's close with some wisdom from Mark Twain. On the right there, he said, kindness is the language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Let's go forth from this time together and open blind eyes and deaf ears. It all starts with a hospitable heart. And as a consequence of what we've considered today, as we go forth from here, may the words of, the, of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in his sight, who is our rock and our redeemer. Thanks for your attention. If any of you want to discuss this with me,